0: I'm here today with the Andrews, the cross-country Andrews from uh, Team GB, and they are Andrew Musgrave. Hi, Andy. Hi, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. And Andrew Young. Uh, hi, Andrew.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me on the, on the podcast.
0: Uh, well, it's a pleasure. And if it's okay, you're both being uh, Andrews, uh, um, I'm going to refer to you as uh, Muzzy and Youngy, respectively, because uh, that might make it a bit easier for us. Is that okay? That's easier we... for us to understand each other as well. OK, super. That's brilliant. So um, let's start off. Just a uh, reminder um, where you are. Let's start off with you, Muzzy. Where are you just now?
2: I am at my base at home in Trondheim, Norway, um, and we will be heading off to join Andrew in a day or two for the next World Cup race. Right. So... OK,
0: I did read earlier that um, there's a World Cup race in Davos this weekend. So, uh, Youngie, you're already over in Switzerland, are you?
1: Yeah, I've been in Davos now for yeah, 10, 11, 12 days. So, I came on Monday last week. Uh Davos is a um kind of medium high altitude. So, we've been wanted to get a bit of a block here in Davos before before competing here on Saturday.
0: But great. And tell me, uh, tell me Muzzy, what's the snow like over in uh, in Trondheim in Norway just now?
2: It's actually not too bad. Um Trondheim's not always the best early season uh, skiing. It's a little bit, we're on the coast, so it's quite often uh, snows and then rains a bit and then snows a bit and then rains a bit early season, but it's actually pretty good now. Um, it's been cold for the last couple of weeks. We've got a bit, uh, we've got a decent amount of snow. Um, so they've got most of the tracks here pieced, So it's not been too bad.
0: That's good. And uh, Youngie, I happen to know that the Alps is in the middle of a massive uh, dump at the moment. So there's a lot of snow out there. Is that, kind of bad for you as a cross-country skier?
1: Well, um, I also live in Trondheim and normally we like to get away from Trondheim before Christmas so that we can get in skiing on good conditions, but there's better snow in Trondheim than there is here in Davos, so um, it's been a bit frustrating to be sitting here in Davos and skiing round and round in circles and then finding out that uh, in uh, Trondheim back at home there's been really good conditions, so it's been a bit frustrating uh, yeah, here in Davos. They have have got good snow, um, but Davos is one of the few places in the Alps where it's free. Uh, for the cross country, ski, cross country ski trails are free, um, so they've been very, very, very lazy with the grooming. So um, there's lots and lots and lots of snow, and they're just not grooming any of the trails. Um, so uh, they've groomed a little bit more whilst we've been here and opening up more and more trails, but it's taking them forever. Uh, so we've been skiing around on about. Um, 10 to 12k of of snow uh, which has been really good quality and really high quality trails just not very long
0: <laughs> I can see how that could be uh, frustrating um, I wonder if I could just take you back a little bit you are
2: both proud Scot <laughs> um, yeah so I was uh, born in England but I only lived there for about a year so I kind of feel or like if I talk about home then home for me is Scotland But so I kind of I feel like Scottish people think I'm English because I was born in England, whereas <laughs> English people think I'm Scottish because I've lived there way longer than I lived in England. So nobody really wants me.
0: For sure. Well, I'm hoping to go out to Scotland uh, later uh, this year, well, this season uh, in March, uh, hopefully. But, you know, I would be going up there to go, uh, well, what you might call alpine skiing. I mean, I'd do ski touring. But you wouldn't necessarily think of uh, Scotland as as being a base for cross country. But I think you two both know each other from the same uh, Nordic ski club from back in the day. You you trained together yeah. from an early age, and uh, according to my research, that was Huntley Nordic Ski Club, which I had a quick look at uh, just now. How, I wondered, um, uh, youngie, how you transitioned. How did you get the cross country bug?
1: Mainly through my parents. My parents were involved with the with the Huntley Nordic Ski Club and. To be honest, I, I didn't really have a choice. That's what the family did at the weekend. Was we went <laughs> we went cross country skiing, um, and a lot of our um, social life was involved through you know people, friends, and family. You know, friends of the family through through the club. So a lot of what we did in the in the winter when we were younger was was with the ski club, and so I didn't really get get much of a choice. And then when I got older and realized that i was quite good at sports uh and got competitive in in a you know, lot of different sports i did sw- uh, swimming at quite a high level uh, a bit of triathlon um i played rugby as well until i was uh, 15 that i kind of realized that cross-country skiing was the one that i enjoyed the most um and also the one that meant i could travel and um and also i was reasonably good uh, so then it was quite easy to to choose cross-country skiing
0: right okay well I, that kind of makes sense and I saw they've got some really good facilities there like an all-weather track and uh, a roller ski track what about yourself Muzzy how did you get involved with uh, the Nordic Ski Club
2: so I actually have lived a few different places in my life because my dad's jobs we traveled around a wee bit and we ended up living in Alaska for uh, five <laughs> six years right so it was a bit more normal to ski there than it was in Scotland <laughs> and, um, but so I kind of learned to ski in Alaska when I was 11 we moved back to Scotland and uh I wasn't like particularly good skier or anything in Alaska but I saw when we moved there that there was a local cross-country ski club and I decided oh that's like a good way to get to know people uh my own age it was something I could already do um so it was actually kind of yeah moving back moving back to Scotland then that I got involved with the club and it was through the club that I sort of became a cross country skier because I'd done it a wee bit in Alaska, but not, not at all as uh, a good competitive racer or anything. Great. And how old were the two of you when you, when you met then?
1: Muzzy? I was nine. So I moved, I moved
2: back when I was uh, 11 and yeah, I'm a couple of years older than uh And so it was, yeah, he was nine. I was 11.
0: Right. I mean, that's very impressive, which means that your uh, kind of career racing and training together is around 20 years old now. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Great. about 20 years. I'm 29 now, yeah, so, yeah.
0: Well, that's amazing. So, I mean, obviously you started in Scotland, but I believe that, um, you know, a while ago you moved and based yourself in uh, in Norway. How did that come about, youngie?
1: Um, for me, uh, Andrew had been there the year he moved to Norway the year before me. Um, and we, yeah, kind of everybody saw that um, he made a kind of a step the year that he was there. Became a better skier, and the way the British team was operating at that point was um, we kind of leave the UK in the autumn and then be traveling around all winter from different races and different training camps and then go back to the UK in the spring. Uh, And for me, I kind of realized that that was a bit too bit too tiring. Like there was too much travel. I was never really at a place that was home, and so I was looking to yeah set set a base up to race out of a like a permanent base. and then, just through a contact, uh, a Norwegian coach um, in Norway who I met at a race in the spring of 2010. Uh, he said to me, "What are you doing next year?" And I said, "Well, we've not really got anything planned yet." He said, "Yeah, why don't you come to Norway and and train with the with the training group in in the Uh So I went, ended up, and I moved to ILO and um, spent yeah two years in ILO. And then since then, I've lived in both Lillehammer and Trondheim. So. Uh, yeah, it was really uh, this Norwegian coach, Guy um, that yeah, invited me over to to Norway, and I uh, stayed. <laughs> that that's great. And and
0: are you based together? You're living in different cities. You're both in Trondheim.
2: Or well, we've both lived in various different places in Norway. There's like so many places with like a ton of skiers where there's always good training groups and stuff. Um, and so until last year, we hadn't been at the same place but then Junger got himself a girlfriend in Trondheim which is where I'm based and so he moved up here so um, for the last couple of years we've been based in the same place.
0: And when when was it that you moved over there to Norway?
2: Oh I was finished with secondary school in Scotland and then I did a year just sort of traveling around racing and wasn't 100% sure that I was going to become a cross-country skier full-time I thought maybe I'd just start studying at uni in Britain. But then I had this dead good year um, when I was finished with school and had a full season on snow. Um, And then I kind of decided that I wanted to give it a proper shot. And then if you want to do that, you've got to be somewhere where there's good conditions all winter. And that ended up being Norway. And so that was when I was 19. So 2009.
0: Right. That was uh, some time ago. And I think I'm right in saying that you're both... uh... Uh, bilingual you both speak uh, Norwegian pretty well right
1: uh, yeah, yeah but I'm gonna say that Muzzy says that my Norwegian is probably not that good but uh, I get by well
0: I think you know, <laughs> it's, it seems it's not to so be, bad <laughs> seems to be pretty good because I watched like a trailer for a, a TV program that Norwegian TV are doing about the British uh, underdogs which uh, is featuring you is that right and it's coming out soon or
1: um, yeah, it's going to be about, it's basically, um, NRK are gonna, uh, I've been following the team, um, the whole British, uh, British team through the, through the off season and they're following us through all the world Cups. Um, I'm going to make a, a, a documentary. I, I'm not entirely sure how many episodes it's going to be, um, from what I've heard it's between four and six episodes of 20 minutes. Um, and, yeah, it should be coming out. The first episode should be before Christmas, uh, from what I've heard. So, that's quite, um, that's exciting.
0: quite exciting, yeah, because, I mean, in Norway, you know, we talk about Nordic uh, uh, sports anyway. And, uh, you know, cross-country skiing and Nordic uh, skiing was in the Olympics a long time before uh, alpine skiing. So I think it has a higher profile. Norway, obviously, uh, strongly tipped to top the medal table uh, in Beijing uh, as well. I was watching one of the trailers, and, and Muzzy, I noticed there was one uh, scene there where it looked like you had a really bad black eye. I wondered how that came
2: about. Uh, yeah, that wasn't actually a black eye. That was just a couple of weeks before the start of this season. I got shingles in my eye, so the whole entire side of my face swole up, um, or around the eye did. So, yeah, that that was shingles. Gosh,
0: okay. I thought it was a, a fool, but that must have been really uh, difficult. And you've basically you know, been dealing with injury, because I think Youngie was at last season – you ended up with you got a fracture in your fibula and ended up competing again within a month
1: uh yeah I think it was exactly four weeks um until I competed again um the The fracture was not it was not a see or it wasn't serious I was never in a cast or anything like that but i had uh yeah about ten days where I couldn't put weight on my legs or well, I couldn't put weight on that leg um so and then I had about three weeks of alternative training and a, a week of skiing on snow before I tried to race. I did race, but in reality, I'd lost a bit too much fitness to be at my uh, to be at my peak shape. Now it's fine, and now I've been able to train properly. Really, about two months after, I wasn't noticing it at all. So, um, so yeah. But most most of the problem was actually not the fracture itself, but the all the small muscles in the lower leg are really controlling your balance um and in cross-country skiing there's a lot of balance work a lot of standing on one leg and if you're not quite 100 percent in your balance work and and all that then uh, it becomes quite noticeable in your ski technique
0: i can see i can see how you wouldn't uh, expect at all to be uh in in top form uh, given that i mean as far as training is concerned then you, you know you're both competing i think in the well Sprint distance uh, and longer distance uh, uh, races. Do you want to just remind us, uh, youngie, how long you'd be actually competing for in those races?
1: So I compete in everything from a sprint to a fifty k, um, and a sprint is um, about fifty. It's about fifteen hundred meters. They can be plus minus depending on the on the stadium, and it takes about three minutes. And in a sprint, the format is such that you. Uh, do a prologue in the morning and then if you qualify you qualify right to the rounds of quarterfinal semi-final final so you'd end up doing that four times in the space of three hours if you make it to the final so if you tell say that to 1500 meter runner they'll tell you that it's definitely not a sprint and then uh, as the events get longer we get a 15k um, which takes about 30 to 35 minutes we have a 30k which takes just yeah, over an hour, an hour ten, hour fifteen, hour twenty, something like that. And we have a fifty k, which we expect to take about two hours. Some depending on the conditions, it can be sometimes as short as one fifty, sometimes as long as uh, two twenty, two thirty. So uh, depending on the conditions.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you know that's a massive range. Here. Quite hard to uh, be able to compete at a high level over something it's taking 3 minutes you know lots of really short sharper uh, exertions and then the endurance stuff uh, as well um muzzy what what kind of training do you do to work for those events lots <laughs>
2: <laughs> um nah no, so we tra- it's we do similar training to a lot of other endurance sports so like cycling uh, running so it's about about getting hours in the in the bank, uh, so yeah, we do a ton of ton of skiing in the winter. That's what we mostly do. And then in the summer, when there's no snow, we've got these wee things called roller skis, which look like yeah, sort of little metal planks with wheels on them um, that we can use on the roads, and it simulates cross country skiing quite well. Um, so yeah, we just get in a lot a lot of hours on skis, roller skis, um, mostly long distance sessions and then we'll have two three four higher intensity sessions a week uh, where we're doing uh, pushing race pace race pace plus. Um and then we mix things up with a bit of gym work and then we do quite a lot of running and a bit of cycling as well so a lot of just general endurance training is the is the main thing
0: yeah. And, and, uh, a mix. And obviously I'm assuming you, you do periodization. I think I read somewhere, uh, youngie that, you know, previously you've, you've kind of peaked quite early in the season in December and you're looking to try and change that training to peak a little bit later for the Olympics this year. Is that right?
1: Um, yeah, that's, uh, historically my best results have always been in December. Um, and trying to sort of push that back to early February, um, for the olympics um there's been a bit of a thing we've discussed about this year. so far it seems to be doing well uh, <laughs> but that just means I haven't gone very fast uh, yet this year so um... <laughs> just yeah. you're
0: working more on the on the base training side of things and bringing the speed in a little bit later on
1: um yeah, a little bit and also um in the past, we've kind of prioritized uh, maybe racing a little bit more uh through the middle middle section of the season, whereas this year. Um, we've really given myself time, so I'm going to race this weekend in Davos and the weekend after in Dresden, and then after that, I've really given myself time to go and do a big, big, big training book. And we've um, at the moment we've really put put together um, yeah a period there of of uh, three weeks where I can really smash out a massive training book, which would uh, tend to simulate what I'd normally do in October, November before when I'm normally in good shape in December. So it's to simulate that doing this big training book just a, a month and a half later as we get a month and a half closer to the Olympics so hopefully it goes well um uh we'll see uh gotta stay away from all the all the distractions of Christmas and just focus on training through that through that period so we'll see for how sure.
0: well I mean you know this this will be I think your uh, fourth Olympics won't it be the fourth Olympics for both of you yeah. so you know as a, as Olympians I imagine you're pretty well versed in the uh, the kind of rigors and the uh, sacrifices uh, you have to make and you know the work that you have to put into training something else i was reading muzzy was uh, how much you enjoy vo2 testing which you do on a regular basis <laughs>
2: I, I don't know if that's true <laughs> if you've been reading that i enjoy it <laughs> we do uh, lots you know,
0: of it yeah i've done that a couple of times uh you know, on a, um, do a bit of triathlon on an on amateur level I wondered whether do you do that because um, when I've done it I've done it as a uh, on a treadmill and I've done it uh, cycling before but do you do that specifically um, on, a, on a roller or something for skiing itself to test yourself in the actual sport that you're going to be taking part in
2: yeah so we do it on uh, roller skis you get these massive treadmills you can roller ski on um, so yeah we do with that uh, you, through the summer and autumn usually do it about once a month slightly less than that maybe um and then you can see how training is progressing you can adjust things um from the results uh yeah so it's on it on this massive treadmill and similar probably similar protocol to the one you use running or on a bike but just more specific for us
0: how would you say, obviously, you talked about the periodization, etc. You've got uh, Beijing. I, I haven't looked to actually see when the cross-country uh, events are, but I know that um, it starts in, in early February. Um, when will you get over to uh, to Beijing, um, Yangi? Uh,
1: that's a good question. Um, I'm not sure uh, we know 100% on, on um on uh, when we'd be able to go because there's a lot of travel restrictions and stuff in China at the moment. And I think uh, the last I heard was that there was some, um, you know, that's one of the things that the team are working on is is uh, the travel. And um, the other unique thing is the cross country events are right on the altitude limit for what cross country skiing is allowed. So it's right at 1800 meters. So we've obviously got to be at altitude before we go. So there's a lot of things that have to fit in for the travel to Beijing.
0: Okay. That's really interesting because I was going to ask you about the uh, venue. I've talked to, you know, uh, different athletes. And in fact, I shared a, a photo on Twitter earlier today of the big air. Uh, and you know that's obviously very urban setting. It, the, it, other athletes are expecting, you know, artificial snow, which is going to make it a lot harder. So you're telling me that that's going to be around 1800 meters. And there's two things there that uh, make me think straight away. Firstly, that, um, you might actually have real snow rather than artificial snow to be competing on and secondly there's a there's a, a rule that says that um, cross-country skiing has to be below a certain altitude is that right uh youngy
1: yes yeah so the highest altitude we can compete at is 1800 the fifth have turned a blind eye in the past for example we raced in the engadine valley last year uh, because they couldn't get another venue that was willing to willing to host the world cup but as a gen they try to keep the competitions below 1800 meters yeah
0: okay and so therefore um muzzy you are going to try and adapt your training to get altitude in before you head out to beijing
2: yes we we're used to competing at altitude though so we it's going to be a fairly standard uh pre-championships uh, training block for us but um, it's like Jung you said the difficulty at the moment is we know exactly when we want to travel and we plan to travel out but uh, flights into China are restricted so we might not be able to travel on the days we were originally planning um, so that is the ma- the main issue for us at the moment we're hoping that's all gonna get sorted out and we're yeah logistical gonna challenges uh, yeah.
0: are the one side of it what about the uh, snow type uh, muzzy i take it it's going to be real snow that's going to affect your decisions in relation to wax which must be really important well where where the cross-country
2: venue is is in the middle of a desert so, <laughs> it's 1800 <laughs> meters and it's cold but right. uh, there's not going to be much natural snow that will definitely affect the choice of skis and how the waxing is done. But luckily, me and Gate have a waxer that's going to be sorting out our skis because we're absolutely useless at doing that ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so if, you, right. if you ask us anything about waxing or skis, then we, we will uh, have completely inconstructive answers.
1: Right. Okay. Uh, I, mean, I like, like to pretend I... like I know what's going on. Though I always say to the waxer, speak about different types of waxes and the flex of the skis and stuff. And I like to pretend like I know what's going on. But in reality, I've got no clue. I just let him make all the decisions.
0: That's really interesting. I actually interviewed, uh, I don't know if you know them, but Izzy and Zoe Atkin, who are two freestyle skiers on uh, the British team as well, who were talking about the importance of wax and also how that kind of, you know, you have to put your trust in the rest of your team and your support team for those kind of uh, decisions.
2: Yeah, definitely, especially for us. Like, if you have bits lower skis than somebody who's at the same level as you, then you're going to get beaten by them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, um, you know, I wish you all the best with that. I know that um, you know, you've both had podiums uh before in in different events. I think seven uh, between the two of you. And I know that um, in Pyeongchang, I think uh, Muzzy, uh, you had a top ten result. Was it seventh in the thirty uh, kilometer event? Yeah, that's right. So I'm interested. What would your aspirations be? How do you go into these uh, uh, games and, and try and you know set a, a, you know a goal? Um, what would you be looking at, youngie?
1: Um My main focus is the sprint, um, which is I was about to, I was about to use the word luck, but the there's a little bit more chance in sprint, and sometimes you can have an amazing day and you get done over by by just a bit of rotten luck having said that there's still the best gears tend to still be in the final
0: yeah and uh you know with with sprint you said you know you have uh you know uh, uh, like a time trial and then you're doing knockout rounds In those knockout rounds how many people are competing at a time
1: yeah six six people competing at a time in the knockout rounds and the format is such that uh the uh, the winner the two best from each heat go through and the two best lucky losers of so two best two fastest times go through to the to the next round um and so it can have a lot to say if you end up in the first half of the draw, or the second half of the draw and stuff like this can have a lot to say for how yeah. you how you progress through the day. Of
0: course, it sounds similar to how the system works for a skier and border Yeah, Once yeah. you get into those individual rounds, as you say, you can have a bit of luck because people can get tangled up. Someone can take a fall, uh, you know, and the start is obviously incredibly important in those kind of events as well.
1: Um, yeah, it depends a little bit on the track for us, and if there's space to get past further on in the track, or if. Uh, but sometimes we do see that yeah, you, you need to be in the top three out at the start to to be able to progress. So it really does depend a bit on the track. And uh, sorry, Muzzy, um,
0: as far as uh, Beijing is concerned, you know what would your aspirations be?
2: Aspiration is definitely to win. But so la- last Olympics I was seventh, and I I feel like I'm a much more stable stronger skier than i was four years ago so i've definitely got to go in and smash that result and so from youngest uh looking to do the sprint for me it's probably the two longer events the fifth the 50 and the 30k that are my best events um so kind of a opposite ends of the spectrum there
0: okay well you know i i wish you all the best you're both going in there with uh, a lot of experience and uh you know your fourth games um, yeah, I wish you all the best. I hope uh, you know the training in Norway uh, continues to go well, and that you get your uh, uh, flights uh, the way you need them to, and get out to training in. And you know, I'll be following you closely. Uh, you know, we've, we've mentioned before on the podcast. You know, I'm 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 into endurance events, done a, a few uh, ultra marathons and triathlons and things like that. So I'm really interested in in how you train, and I'm very aware that cross country skiers, in terms of that VO2 test, you're talking about. Have some of the highest uh, levels of uh, any athlete, so I've got complete respect for you guys, and I wish you uh, all the best. So, thanks very much, uh, Muzzy. Yeah, thanks, thanks a lot. It's been uh, good fun. Thanks for having us. Cool, and thanks very much, Youngy.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us on the on the podcast.
0: in another interview on the snowsport gb website that you listen to lots of podcasts uh, while you're doing your uh, endurance training is the ski podcast
2: on your list and if it's not are you going to be adding it oh it's definitely going to be on my list as of now (laughs) apart from not apart from i will not be listening to this episode because i can't stand the sound of my own voice